This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Wow, y'all, between, between Pastor Kevin's intro video and your response, I'm like hyped up, you know? Feels a little weird to be up here speaking instead of singing, but I just want to say thank you guys for being here. It's a holiday weekend. It's cold outside and rainy. Like winter was like, y'all thought I left, but I came back for a minute, and you still showed up today. Um, I also want to take a minute before we get started just to honor Pastor Kevin. Y'all, he is an amazing pastor. He is an amazing leader to our staff in my life. It is it's such an honor that, that not only does he trust me to serve here as our worship pastor, but he also trusts me to be with you guys today and bring the word that God has laid on my heart. And it's such a privilege. And I have his leadership to thank for that. Y'all, he loves our staff so well. He loves you. He loves our church. And I'm just so thankful that he responded to God's calling almost 11 years ago to come back to Albemarle and plant a church here. Because he did that. So many lives, including mine, have been changed. So I just want to say we love you, Pastor Kevin. We love your family, and we're so thankful for you. So for those of you who don't know me, as Pastor Kevin said, my name is Erica Roberts. I serve here on staff as the worship pastor. I'm going to show you a picture of my family here. This is my husband, Jason, and my two boys. Um, my oldest is Knox. He just turned three. And then Nash is my 18-month-old. And I know Knox has the fake smile going on, but I promise y'all he does love his life. And I was also telling myself last night, you know, if, if it looks like life is chaotic, I promise you it is. And, and last night I'm telling myself that motherhood is still the best hood as I'm cleaning poop out of my tub. <laughs> yeah, it happens. But you know what? It's life and I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I also want to say a special thank you to my husband, Jason. Y'all, he is wonderful. I, I cannot say enough things about him and just how much he means to me. If you guys are blessed by what I get to do on Sunday serving here, I promise you that it doesn't happen without him. He steps up. He picks up a lot of the slack at home so that I can be here, that I can serve. He never complains. He's so supportive. He loves me so well. He loves our boys so well. He's just an amazing husband and father. So thank you, Jason. I love you. I couldn't do this without you, and I wouldn't want to, contrary to what you think sometimes. So last week as we started this message on worship, this beautiful noise, Pastor Kevin taught us that we are called to resonate. See, we were created to worship, and worship is our response to what is central in our lives. So when we worship God, because he should be central in our lives, we become living echoes of Jesus. And that's what we're designed to do, echo the nature and character of Jesus to this world. Because what we worship shows other people where we place our trust. So this morning, before we dive into the message today, I just want to take a moment to pray together, just to ask the Holy Spirit to enter in, just to, to get rid of all the distractions and open our hearts to what He has for us in these next moments. So would you guys pray with me? God, we're just so thankful to be here today. God, to, to worship you together, to praise you. And I just pray that in these next few moments, we sense your Spirit so strongly that there just be a fire that is ignited in this room. God, that we just get something special out of this message. 
that you come in and you do what only you can do. Create that response in us as we continue to grow in our relationship with you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. So today I get to talk to you about another really big part of worship, and that is our response. See, when God speaks to us, we respond. When we feel him moving in our life, we respond. Right? That's a big part of worship, is responding to how we feel God is moving, what we feel he's calling us to. So what does God do that we actually respond to? Number one is God's word shapes us. God's word shapes us. See, the Bible, which is the word of God, it's the literal text that we have as Christians today that tells us how we should respond in faith to whatever God is calling us to. Right? It's full of stories from ancestors before us and how they responded to God or how they didn't respond. And it serves as a guide for how we should do that today. So when you have a question about something, whether it's faith-related, question about your marriage, your parenting, where's the first place you should look? It's the Bible. And this is because the Bible serves as God's written authority in our lives. So if we believe God is the ultimate authority in our lives, and he is, the Bible is the written extension of this. And we honor God by allowing the Bible to guide us in response to our life situations and shape how we respond to him no matter what season that we're in. And submitting to his authority is a response that we're called to as believers, certainly. But I also want to share with you today that submitting to his authority radically changes how we deal with difficult seasons. Submitting to his authority is going to radically change how you're able to deal with those difficult seasons. So when you're in the middle of those difficult seasons, when you feel broken in those moments, you should be diving into his word. You should be looking in the Bible. Because chances are, if you've went through something, somebody else before you has, and you're going to find the answers in the Bible if you're willing to respond by digging a little deeper and searching for those answers. How else does God elicit a response in us? Number two is the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit leads us. See, the Holy Spirit moves in a lot of ways in our lives to help guide us in response to his calling. Think about applying for a new job, right? You found this job. You feel like this is it. You submit your application. You get an interview. You interview really well. You feel like everything just goes well. It's all lining up perfectly, only to find out a week later that you didn't get the job. So while we're human, and those disappointing emotions are often hard to process and understand, and that's okay, we have to remember that ultimately that's the Holy Spirit protecting you from something that you can't see that he can. We're called to respond by waiting in faith. Think about the voice that tells you sometimes just to reach out to that person, right? Out of the blue. You want to reach out to them and say that you're praying for them or that they're on your heart. You don't really know why, but you respond to that calling by following through with that text message or that phone call just to let them know that you're thinking about them. Or it's feeling like you're called to serve in the church somehow, but not knowing exactly how or, or in what role. And so you pray to God for clarity of that vision. But in that, you're also willing to surrender yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, right? So that you can actually fulfill that vision. You gotta be willing to respond in surrender. See, this is what actually happened to me over a year and a half ago when uh, Pastor Kevin approached me about taking 
the worship pastor position here at Vortex. I had two kids under two. I was a full-time nurse, a wife, trying to be all the things. And actually, prior to having my second son, I said that I needed to cut back on my serving, right? My family was going to need me. There's no way I can manage all these roles and continue to do it and do it well. But even as I said those words, I felt convicted because that wasn't what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. I wasn't responding to the Holy Spirit. See, I was responding to myself. I was trying to dictate my own path and convince myself that this was what he was asking me to do. He wasn't calling me to decrease my serve. What he was actually calling me to do was increase my serve. So when Pastor Kevin approached me a few months later and, and asked me to pray about taking this role, it didn't take me long to say yes. Because, see, I realized that the Holy Spirit was actually asking me to step in to that calling, right? To increase my serve. And if I said no to that, I was going to be missing out on something that he had for me. So I had to respond and surrender by saying yes. Not knowing how I was going to manage all these things, but knowing that if the Holy Spirit was calling me to it, he was going to make a way. See, we have a need to be led in our lives. We need outside influence speaking life into us. And we want that ultimate outside influence to come from God. And the God that is present with us now leading us is the Holy Spirit. So we have to respond in surrender. Respond in faith. So when you don't get that job or you don't get that house that you put the offer in on, whatever it is that you thought that you were being led to, I need you to remember today that the Holy Spirit will lead you to what is in line with His will for you. You have to respond by waiting in faith. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you exactly where He wants you, what His will is. You just have to respond by waiting in faith. Respond by believing and trusting that something better is going to come along, right? Respond by waiting in faith. How else does God create a response in us? Number three is God invests in us through talents and abilities. He invests in us through talents and abilities. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7:7, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. See, God gives each of us with talents that are specific to who we are, specific to how he designed us. You may have one talent, you may have two talents, you may have five talents. And if you're a person that has five talents, I'm a little bit jealous because sometimes I can't even walk without tripping, so I'm not sure how y'all do it. But the, the thing is, is it doesn't matter how many talents we're given, it matters how we respond with those talents, right? See, we're called to respond with those God-given talents by using them to further the kingdom. We want to serve others just the way that Jesus did with those talents. See, we're called to love others well. We're called to lead them well. And you have to do that by using those God-given talents. Be faithful with your talents. Whether that's one, two, or five talents, you've got to be faithful with it. See, Jesus tells us a parable in Matthew 25 that's actually related to this. So a man entrusts his servants with bags of gold. One gets five bags, one gets two, and one gets one bag. And this is each according to his abilities. So we see again here that God's going to gift you with the abilities that's exactly the way that he designed you for his calling on your life. So the two servants that have multiple bags put that money to work, right? They take it and they invest it. 
but the servant that only gets one bag chooses to bury it and hide it. So when the master returns, the man with five bags says, Here, master, you gave me five bags. I invested it. Here's five more. The man with two bags, same thing. You gave me two bags. I invested it. Here's two more. And the master's response to them is, Well done, my good and faithful servant. We're going to pick up here in scripture to see what happens when the man that chose to hide his bag of gold, when the master returns and he tells them what he's done, this is what happens. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, Jesus is telling us here that if we don't use those talents, we're going to lose it. See, you have to be faithful with what you have. Because if you don't use it, you'll lose it. We have to respond to God by using our God-given talents. By using them to lead people to the cross, right? Use it or you're going to lose it. And the last way that God creates a response in us is number four, God disciplines us. God disciplines us. This is a hard one, y'all. See, one of the hardest truths that, that Pastor Kevin has shared in his personal leadership in my life, and this is good, we all need to hear this, is that discipline will take you to the places where pure talent cannot. Discipline will take you to the places where pure talent cannot. See, I'm in one of those seasons right now. Earlier this year, I turned 29 for the second time. And Pastor Kevin asked me, what's your word for this year? And I said, growth. Right, I finally feel like I'm in the roles that God has called me to. I'm serving where I should serve. But I want to get better. I want to grow. I want to learn more in these roles. And in order to do that, it takes discipline. Because if we don't nurture our gifts through discipline... We'll never be able to grow. If we can't nurture those gifts, we're never going to be able to grow. Why? It's because discipline is hard, y'all. It's not easy. No part of it is easy. But the truth is, is that the most growth occurs in the hardest seasons. Because those are often the seasons that God is trying to do something within us to get us to respond to Him. He wants us to respond by growing in our relationship with Him. And it's often in those seasons that we're reminded we don't rely on our own strength. It comes from the Lord. And you're either going to be self-disciplined or it's going to come from the outside as God-disciplined. And while we're called to respond by being self-disciplined, the reality is, is that we also sometimes need God-discipline. There are some things that we're not going to be able to learn on our own that has to come from God. As he disciplines us in that loving way that only he can discipline his children. We need both, right? See, because with God, every pain that he allows us to go through has a redemptive purpose. Every pain that we go through 
has a redemptive purpose. There is no world that exists where that pain that we feel is not doing something in our life. See, many of you in this room have experienced this already. Some of you are going through it right now. I've been there too. Now, I do want to clarify here, and I need you guys to hear this. God doesn't punish us, okay? We don't serve a God that wants to punish us, that wants to see us fail. See, punishment is punitive. It says, you did something bad, so I'm going to do something bad back to you. Discipline says, you did something bad, I want you to do better. I want you to learn from this. I want you to grow, right? It's what happens when I have to discipline my kid for continuing to poop in the bathtub. See, Psalms 103.10 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. God doesn't want to punish us. If that were the case, we'd be punished every day because we don't get it right. But see, Jesus took that burden from us when he took it to the cross. He bore that punishment for us so that we wouldn't have to. So God doesn't punish us, but he will discipline us in the hard seasons. And we have an opportunity in those seasons to respond by growing in our relationships with him. We can respond by pressing into what he has for us, right? You can either run away from him or you can run to him. I want to take the next few moments to share with you guys how God orchestrated a redemptive story in my life and my path to motherhood. See, it's a story many of you have walked through with me. A lot of you have heard it before. But today what I want to focus on is what I learned about responding to God, right? How I I did a lot of things wrong, a lot of ways that I didn't respond well to God, but how I learned to respond to Him and how I learned to continue worshiping Him, how He elevated me in that, right? So Jason and I have been married almost eight years. June 6th, we celebrate eight years together. This is one of my favorite pictures from our wedding day. And in eight years, um, I have not grown any, so he's still a foot taller than me. If y'all were guessing, that has not changed. So as we were reflecting on on our time together, we've been together almost 10 years, actually. Um, He wanted me to share this story with you guys because we still laugh about this. So my cousin Sarah is married to his older brother, Justin. I know that sounds weird. Y'all just stay with me, okay? So she called me in November one year and asked if I'd be interested in going out on a date with Jason. And I said, sure, he's cute. You know, he has a great family. I'll go out. Well, we didn't end up going out until January, so two months later. Come to find out, he specifically asked if we could wait till after Christmas to go on that date so he wouldn't have to buy me a Christmas gift. (laughs) Not only that, but we went out January 5th. My birthday's January 3rd, so he got out of a Christmas gift and a birthday gift that year, y'all. I tell him that he's one of those memes that you see floating around that says, follow me for more dating tips. He said what you should actually do is if you need dating advice, please come to Pastor Kevin's talk next week. Let me help you date. Don't really ask him. See, see, marriage has just been, it's been a wonderful thing with him, y'all. It's not always easy. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that. But when you're with the person that God's called you to be with, it's always going to be worth it. And he is perfectly molded to fit my imperfections, and I can tell you that. So God called me to be a mother early on in life, right? He placed that desire on my heart. And we know that if we delight in the Lord, he will fulfill those desires. But see, what we often don't realize and what I was about to learn is that those dreams aren't always fulfilled in the way that we envision them. But they're always in a way that's going to bring God glory. After we've been together for two years, we decided that we were ready to start trying for a family, right? We 
you're not sure that you're ever really ready for parenthood, but we certainly felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us to start our family. So we started trying. A few months go by, not pregnant. A few more months go by, not pregnant. And we come up on a year of trying, and we are still not pregnant. See, at that point, I'm becoming really frustrated with God because, man, you've gave me this desire, right? So why aren't you making this happen? We're, we're called to start a family. You're not making it happen. What's going on? So after a year, we saw a fertility specialist, started having tests done, procedures, trying to, to figure out if there was something that was causing us to not be able to get pregnant. All of our tests came back normal. So we got grouped into the category of unexplained infertility. And y'all, that's even more frustrating. Because if there's a problem, at least there's a resolution, right? You think that there's something to fix? We didn't even have anything to fix. All we could do was just take our best guess at that point. So we met with our doctor and decided that we would try three rounds of a less invasive procedure. And then if those didn't work, we would talk about pursuing IVF, in vitro fertilization. So we did the three less invasive procedures, and as you can probably guess, none of those worked. As, as I was reflecting this week and, and preparing, I, I mentioned to Jason that I remember sitting in that room on the, the last round of, of that procedure, and I felt so anxious. I was just sitting in the room crying as they're doing this procedure, and I wasn't really sure why, but I was full of anxiety, right? I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be, so why, do I, why am I so emotional about this? Why is something not settling right with my soul? I don't know at the time what it was. I just knew how I felt in those moments. So after those three less invasive rounds didn't work, we did decide to pursue in vitro fertilization. And just to give you some context here, IVF is kind of the last resort to try and get pregnant on your own. It's really expensive, $25,000 plus, and you're lucky if you get two rounds out of that. See, at the time, we felt like God was really calling us to go down this path because the company that I worked for actually had insurance that helped cover the cost of IVF, and that's pretty unheard of. So we felt like, surely, God has provided this avenue for us. This is where we're supposed to walk, right? So over the span of four months, we did IVF. We did two rounds, only got one embryo each round, which is not good numbers. And you can probably guess where this next part's going. Both of those transfers in that four-month period failed. Getting the call that our last transfer didn't work was probably one of the lowest emotional points in my life. I remember throwing my hands up saying, I am done. God, I can't do this anymore. And I'm not sure that you want me to because none of this has worked out. And I'm, I'm emotionally, I'm physically, I'm mentally exhausted. I was at my lowest point. See, and at some point along this journey, I had asked Pastor Kevin's wife, Amanda, to meet for coffee because I was having a really low week and I needed someone that I looked up to as a spiritual leader to meet with me, someone that could pour life into me. And not only that, but Pastor Kevin and Amanda walked through their own season of infertility and I needed someone that understood the emotions that I was feeling in those moments. So as Amanda and I sat there together, crying in the coffee shop, getting a lot of weird looks, she said something to me that stuck with me the rest of my journey and still sticks with me to this day when I'm in the middle of those really difficult moments. She said, God wants every part of your heart because we aren't made to carry that alone. We have to respond by giving it to him. 
See, God wants every single part of your heart because you weren't made to carry that alone. What he wants you to, to do is respond by giving that to him. Give him your frustrations. Give him your doubts. Give him your fears because that's what he wants. He wants to take that burden from us. And I also want to encourage you that if you're in the middle of one of those seasons, please reach out to the, your spiritual leaders. Reach out to those people that you know will pour life into you, support you, love you, pray for you. When you don't feel like you can do it yourself, they want to be there for you. But you have to reach out and let them know what's going on in your life because they can't get over what you won't put under them. Okay? You've got to be willing to trust them with it and know that they're there to support you and love you through it. That's what Amanda did for me in those moments. See, what I was starting to learn at the end of that last failed transfer was that I thought I was listening to the Holy Spirit in doing IVF. I thought that that's what he'd called me to do because he brought me all the way down this path, but then he shut the door in my face. See, what I learned in my complete state of brokenness was that I hadn't really been fully surrendered to the Spirit. I was letting my emotions dictate my own path, right? My impatience to be a mom. My doubts that God was really going to fulfill those desires if I didn't help him along the way a little bit, right? So God had to give me the God discipline that only he can give to get me to surrender to his will, to stop trying to create my own path. And that leads me to my first point today, is God will orchestrate seasons in your life that break your will so that you fully surrender to his will. He's going to orchestrate seasons in your life that are going to break your will so that you'll fully surrender to his will. See, 2 Corinthians 7, 8 says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, I might not have been fully surrendered. I might not have been really responding to the Holy Spirit the way that I should have been. But what he was starting to do is guide me in a response that lives out these verses that Paul gives us here. He was telling me to boast about my weaknesses. See, at that point, I was already serving as a worship leader here at Vortex, right? I went from a girl who sang in church to someone that now is leading worship. And I was starting to feel like part of me leading my church family was sharing with them what I was going through. They needed to hear that I was not in a good season, right? Because the truth is, is we're not always going to be in good seasons. Some of those seasons are really long, too. And there were so many Sundays where I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to get on this stage and praise God. How could I praise Him when I'm so angry with Him? But those were always the Sundays where I might not have wanted to be here, but I needed to be here the most. Those were the Sundays when the Holy Spirit did something in me that couldn't have happened any other way. It wasn't my strength that got me on this stage. It was His. See, my worship family needed to, to see me continuing to worship God. My church family needed to see that. I had a chance to allow the Holy Spirit to use me to show others that our emotions in difficult seasons don't dictate His faithfulness. 
You can come in here angry with God. You can come in here mad at Him. But your emotions in those seasons, they're not going to dictate His faithfulness. He's going to remain the same, friends. What we can do in those moments is we can respond by running away from Him or we can respond by running to Him, as I said earlier. And I promise when you respond by running to Him, your outcome is always going to be better. It's always going to be better. See, and what we're called to do is respond by sharing our stories. Because number two today is that there is power in our vulnerability. There is power when you're willing to be vulnerable with other people in your life, right? Be willing to share what you're going through as you're going through it. Don't feel the need to pretend like everything's okay when it's not. Because people need to see what you're going through, right? They need to see you in the middle of your struggles. Because if we don't share the mess, we'll never be able to share the message. Right? You, if you're not willing to open up and share as you're going through something to share that mess, you're not going to be able to share the message. Because what's going to happen is, is at the end of that story, God is going to orchestrate a redemptive ending to it. Right? We have to respond by being willing to be vulnerable and share it as it's happening. So after we made the decision to stop IVF after our second failed round, I also had to surrender the idea that I might not ever have a biological child. And y'all, there, there was mourning in that, okay? I'm going to be honest, that was not easy. There was mourning in that. But see, even Jesus mourned the night before the crucifixion as he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Even Jesus is mourning what he knows he's going to have to go through the next day. And even in those final moments, he's crying out, God, if you can take this from me, please take it. But he circles back to not as I will, but as you will. He's still willing to, to respond with surrender. So at the end of that failed transfer, we were coming into our At The Movie series here at Vortex that we do every year. And that year we were doing a movie on foster families. We had Stanley County DSS here. And during that message, I remember feeling really convicted by the Holy Spirit to just reach out and explore this option. Like maybe this was going to be my path to motherhood. This is what he's calling me to right now. So I just had to respond in faith in those moments. See, and at that point, I remember I actually felt a peace that I had not felt in a long time about where God was leading us because it felt like I was really fully surrendered to his plan. I wasn't rushing it. I wasn't trying to be impatient. I was just really and truly letting the Holy Spirit guide where he thought we should go. So we submitted the application in July, got ready to start our classes in September that year. And this is my favorite part of the story. You guys can, can probably guess what's going to happen here. Two weeks before our foster classes were supposed to start, I found out that I was pregnant. It wasn't IVF, wasn't medicine, it was God. Two weeks. I remember I came home from the end of a long um, shift, as, working night shift as a nurse, and I, I just took a test on a whim, wasn't expecting anything. But when I saw those two pink lines, my knees hit the floor, hit my bathroom floor. I raised my hands in surrender as I'm crying hysterically, just saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Right, So much thankfulness and joy was just pouring out of me. So much so that I had to call my husband right then and tell him that I was pregnant. So, I mean, so much for trying to do something cool, right? 
And, and by the way, the only reason he answered the phone that morning is because he thought I had a wreck on the way home from work. So, Nevertheless, we were both crying on the phone together, just full of so much joy. See, I had finally learned to respond in faith. And God showed me that he would always be faithful to his promises. And that's our last point this morning that I want you to hear. The Lord is faithful to fulfill our heart's desires when our response to him is faithful. The Lord is faithful to fulfill our heart's desires when our response is faithful to him. He's calling us to respond in faith, friends. To continue waiting and clinging to his promises in the middle of those hard seasons. Give him those burdens. Let him turn them into blessings. Cling to that hope. 1 Peter 1.3 tells us, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now it says it right here. He is our living hope. We have eternal life in him. And because of that, that means that our dreams, they're alive with us. They may feel dead to you today. But I want you to cling to this reminder. Cling to that hope today. See, that verse starts with two simple words. Praise be. So what if you're here today and you're in the middle of a season of infertility just the way that I was? What if you're here today and your marriage feels broken? What if you're here today and your family is struggling? And you don't know another way out. What if you're in one of those difficult seasons? And what if today we choose to respond to God with praise, even in the middle of those difficult seasons? What if we're willing to give Him the praise, to respond with that praise, to respond with the faith and the hope that He is doing something in us and as we say here at Vortex, quite often, if we're reminded that if it's not good, God's not done. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.